The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Inside Out with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic, never too young or too old. Embracing new beginnings inside and out. Does that phrase mean something to you? I'm too old for this. Or, I'm too young, I'm not ready. Do we use age as an excuse? Do we use uh, to say things like, I'm too young to quit drinking, too old to start a new career, too young to settle down, too old to change? Really? And do we think we're too young or too old to learn music, start exercising, or get therapy? As we begin a new year, let's take stock of what needs changing inside and out. Do we need to end something that's hurtful but familiar? Should we start challenging? Should we start something that's challenging but nurturing? Well, our guests will include uh, myself, actually. I'm one of the guests on the show. I'm about to turn 70. And am I too old to make a new start in life from scratch? And we'll hear from Ann Brennan, a young public school teacher and the director of a family program that trains young kids to be conscious. Whether or not we're confronting our inner patterns or reshaping our outer life, let's start the new year right. Shake off excuses about age and welcome the new year with determination and joy. You can call in or email Beth with your questions. And now, here's your host, Beth Green, from the Inside Out. Hi, everybody. Well, uh, I'm never too old or too young to do anything. Uh, okay. Is that true? No, that's absolutely not true. That's a complete lie. For example, I am way too old to do bungee cord jumping. <laughs> Or no, actually, I'm too sick to do bungee cord, too fragile to do it. All right. So what I'm trying to say is sometimes there really are excuses that are based on age, and they're legitimate. Uh, you have a, a, a six-week-old infant is really too young to diaper itself. Wouldn't you say so, James? I'd say so. So, you know, that was very discerning on my part. And some of us are, you know, because of our age have brittle bones or whatever it is, there are certain activities that are not advisable to us, for us. But those things are based on reality, right? How much of our behavior is really ever based on reality? <laughs> Very little. You know, so much of our behavior is based on what's in our heads, what we think. And so there it is. When people say things like, oh, I'm too young to settle down, uh, but they've already sired three children. You know, you kind of wonder, <laughs> what are they thinking? Yeah. Or uh, somebody who says, oh, I'm too old to get married again. Well, I really don't know why that is. I mean, is there some kind of an internal clock that says, I no longer desire companionship, love, or even sex because, ooh, that was it, 65, it's over. You know, that kind of stuff is, is that's in our heads. Is kind of silly. And, and what do we find that's underneath it often is just that we're looking for an excuse. You know, we're just looking for an excuse because we're scared to break through something. You know, I'm really too scared to get emotionally involved and get hurt again. And that's why I say I'm too old 
to get married. Uh, or I'm, I'm too young to stop drinking. Or, you know, it's, it's really uh, that I just don't want to and I'm looking for an excuse. So like I don't want to face the rest of my life with that alcohol, even if the alcohol is destroying my life and is going to be limiting me for the rest of my life. So I think what we find is that with so many other kinds of excuses, the age excuse is a card that we pull out in order to make our resistance look socially acceptable. So that's speaking from ourselves. Now, what about the expectations we have towards others? I mean, I have really, I mean, you may find this shocking, but I have seen people who have said that their parents are too old to start a new life or that, you know, their mother is uh, too old to have a boyfriend or uh, that their children are too young to learn a sense of responsibility. And in those cases, we're making that excuse in order to block other people from making changes that they need to make and that we're not supporting for some reason. Uh, it, haven't you known people who didn't want their parent or their ex-husband or their something or other to move on with their life? And they will make some kind of, oh, it's too soon. It's too soon to do this or it's too soon to do that. Um, because they have a vested interest in that person staying stuck in an old way. Or it's, you know, with the children, it's, it's really too much energy and effort to call the children to consciousness. And that isn't the way I was raised and who wants to think about it. And really the bottom line is my children won't like me if I have expectations of them that they don't like. So in that case, we're saying that somebody else is too young or too old because of something that's inconvenient to us about them making some kind of change. So we're really going to look at that age card today, and we are going to be laughing about it, and we're going to be talking about the things that we have made excuses about, and are they based on reality? Like Beth really should not be bungee jumping, at least not this week, uh, or are they based on some other motive that we're covering up by using the age card? So today... You are going to get to know your co-host, James Maynard, a little bit better. In fact, I might get to know him better, too, because I thought he was a great example of it. You're never too old uh, to make changes. And the kind of changes that we can talk about are not just external changes. They're internal changes. I'm, I'm never too old to confront uh, a certain behavior. You know that expression, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Yeah. Well, we, we can. We can teach old dogs nature. We're okay. We're a little resistant. All right. It's true that maybe as older people, we have more years of practice doing the wrong thing. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that we can't confront ourselves and try. So there's the old dog new tricks kind of thing. On the inside, on the inner plane, it's we're never too old to confront behaviors that have been hurting us and other people forever. It's never too young or too old to be in therapy. Uh, I'll give you an example. I had a client who came in to see me in her 70s, I think it was. And not too long after she did, um, I see this was before James worked with me, 
a series of great counseling sessions, she died. And it was so perfect that she had gotten so much relief and so much clarity before she died. And I've, I've worked with other people like that. And young people, too. Uh, if you're skilled at working with kids, you can feel what's going on with children. They are conscious. They are feeling beings. And they need support with their feelings and to learn how to uh, deal with their feelings, as we all do. So those are the kinds of levels we're talking about. External things like playing the piano and internal things like confronting old behaviors. So with no further ado, I am going to introduce my first guest, James Maynard. (laughs) (laughs) And we are going to bring on a lovely young woman, Anne Brennan. Hi, Anne. Hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Anne. So we keep talking about you as being young. You probably aren't that young, but you're younger than we are. But what you do is you work with young people. So I'd like to start with you uh, because people often talk about, oh, you're never too old. But I don't very often hear people saying, oh, you're not too young, you're never too young. So I'd like you to share with us what you've experienced about the excuses people use either for themselves or their kids or their students about that they are just too young to do X. And first, tell us uh, a little bit about your your uh, teaching situation, you know, what you do in life. Oh, okay. Um, well, what I do for my, for my work is that I'm a teacher of language arts. I teach language skills, basically. Um, I teach English to students whose English is their second language. And um, they are seventh and eighth graders, and um, most of them have struggled for a really long time academically, um, experienced a lot of academic failure, so to speak. So um, they have, you know, I've, I have a lot of experience uh, with them feeling um, like they can't learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and isn't that interesting because these are young kids who think they're too old. That's what I was thinking as I've been thinking about this show. <laughs> Um, that's what, what has come to my mind the most about yes. those kids that I work with is then, it, and it, it, um, you know, it was an interesting thought when it came to me that they, they actually feel like it's too late for them. Yes. And so, and you know, and they're 12, kids? you yeah, know, some, I mean, imagine that, <laughs> you know, and it's, 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 it breaks your heart to think that they've given up so soon. Yeah. Well, is it too late for the man? Absolutely not. absolutely not and we prove it uh, uh, you know every day and um, but it does take time to overcome that with them so what I was thinking about the most as I thought about this show was how it's really a state of mind you know and it and like you said it's it's so often it isn't based on reality um, because that thinking happens even in young people you know Mm -hmm. that they're too old too young I'm too old Mm -hmm. um, to learn something and um, no it's not too late for them and but it does take a while for me to um, overcome that with them. Mm-hmm. Get them to believe that there is a possibility for them to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm going to come back to you and ask you to describe the work that you do around consciousness where, where the kids and others may think the kids are too young. 
Mm-hmm. But before we get to that, I would like James to share a little bit about has he ever uh, thought that he was too old to make a change or to do something new? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I, can, I was just thinking back on uh, uh, my, my involvement with music and how I can remember at the age of 27, uh, while I was working as an attorney, a government administrator in Chicago, I thought to myself, gee, I'd like to go to music school and uh, learn things uh, that I didn't get when I was coming up as a trumpet player and, and taking voice lessons and stuff like that. And uh, I dismissed it because I thought, I'm too old. <laughs> I'm too yeah. old to get started with something like that. And here I am now, 69 going on 70, and I've actually sat down and, and gripped myself taking myself in hand and said, okay, I'm going to take beginner piano lessons. <laughs> and so uh, here I am taking beginner piano lessons with a music book that's uh, suitable for, you know, seven-year-olds. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm not embarrassed. Really, I'm not. Um, <laughs> I accept the fact that I'm having to start from scratch. And hey, what the hey, I... So what, that I'm 69 going on 70, if I make it another 15 years or so, then I've got 15 whole years to really enjoy music uh, in fuller ways than I have before. And that also includes taking a class in music theory for the first time, even though I played professionally while I was in college and in my early 20s. Um, But I've got some gaps to fill, so I'm taking music theory too. I think that's divine. So both of you have given examples of people taking on new skills and new learnings uh, where you feel like you're too old. Like these really young people think they're too old and the really not so young person thinks he's too old. Now let's take a look at the flip side of that and let's look at the I'm too young. Okay, so Mm -hmm. Anne, would you like to talk a little bit about the consciousness training? And James, you're going to have to think about how you've done I'm too young, even though you are rapidly approaching the big seven zero. <laughs> <laughs> so, Anne, start with you. So, um, so some of the work that we do with the with the kids. Um, so, it's based on a program uh, written by Beth Green called "Living with Reality," and there are different um, essential kind of tools for living life skills that we teach. And um, we've I've definitely discovered that they're not too young at all to understand the oneness, right? One of the platforms is just becoming oneness and understanding how we're all connected. And I, I even had that excuse. I mean, that's what I'm thinking about the most. It's so embarrassing <laughs> to say, but. <laughs> oh, do tell. Do <laughs> because, because my whole excuse always is that it's just way too hard, you know, <laughs> um, as those who know me who might be listening can, can attest um, as soon as I'm proposed with any, um, task. It's, I'm convinced that it's going to be too difficult. And, um, so I took me a while to start this program because I thought, oh, it's too, <laughs> these are <laughs> adult concepts. Um, obviously these students can't read this book. So how, how in the world could I translate these into lessons? And of course I can't teach, you know, so right. how, how could I be responsible for this kind of a thing? Um, so, uh, but no, as soon as we started, it, it's become more and more obvious that uh, the students the students get the concepts very quickly, and 
and um, even more quickly than the adults. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So um, tell us, tell us how old some of these kids are. Um, I think one of the students went. Uh, we started. We've been at the program is about three years in now, and he, so he he's about seven now. So he was four, four turning five. Um, and, oh, we'd love you. We're going to be going to break in a couple minutes. But um, after that, I'd love for you to tell us some of the stories about what you've taught these little kids. Okay. And haven't you also been teaching consciousness to your public school students, too? Mm-hmm. Yes, I bring the concepts in there as well. And isn't that wild also that you yeah. can do that? Is What was the excuse there that you, you couldn't do it because... Well, oh, that one was because our program <laughs> is spiritual, so I thought, well, I can't. But um, really, the skills are—they're uh, very—they're very general life skills. They don't—they <laughs> don't. There's oh. no theology involved. <laughs> okay, so the uh, the idea of really relating and compassion and oneness and all of that is too spiritual, right? Supporting. Uh, each other <laughs> right we can't we can't have that okay so when we come back from break and we'd love to for you to give us some some information some anecdotes about what you've been able to accomplish with these kids both in the you know in our own program but also in the public school system and uh, James I'm throwing uh, to you that we're going to ask you to come up with what you think you're too young to do uh, but until then, we are going to take a commercial break. Don't go away because we've got lots more with my guests, Anne Brennan and your co-host, James Maynard, on It's Never Too, You're Never Too Old or Too Young to Make Positive Changes. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Hi there. Welcome back, everybody. I'm so happy to 
be with you today. We are ringing in the new year still um, by talking about new beginnings uh, because now that all the champagne has stopped flowing or the sparkling water in our case, uh, we are now facing a new year and what are we going to do to actually make this new year new? As we, there are some changes we want to make. And so today on our show, we're addressing the issue of excuses that we make that have to do with age. And I'd like to invite you guys out there in the audience, if there's anybody there who feels inspired, to call in and talk about how you've used the excuse or how you've stopped using this excuse. So, James, would you give the number? Uh, yes. Where you can take call, you were taking calls at the number 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or you can email us at beth at bethgreen.org. So we're having a lot of fun today because I have two guests. One of them is uh, James, who's the co-host that you're going to get to know better because he exemplifies you're never too old, but evidently also you're never too young. And we have another lovely guest uh, who is Ann Brennan, who is a teacher in the public school system as well as teaching a program of ours, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality of Teaching Consciousness to Young Kids. So, Ann, um, just before the break, I asked you to think of some examples of working with kids and uh, what you've discovered about how it's not they're not too young to really uh, make some big changes oh um, yes I have discovered that I can describe a couple of different tools that we've I've worked with the kids about and um, the results that we've gotten um, one of the first lessons that we teach in the family program it comes from that concept of becoming oneness and this is really just about acknowledging how we're all connected and how our energy impacts one another and how mo- a lot of the pain in life comes from feeling disconnected um, either from ourselves or from others and especially how that impacts a family so one of the first lessons is is um, called I am that and it's a tool that we can use when we feel we're especially when we're feeling negative towards others or disconnected in some way and um, we did a fun lesson with that a couple of months ago where the kids um, well we all did it we kind of they kind of thought about someone that they had been had disagreements with lately or negative feelings. And, and they were, you know, it's funny with the kids, they don't try to hide that stuff at all. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with the adults, they might say, Oh, I don't, I don't feel that way or something like that. But they were, yeah. just, it was really easy and fun for them to kind of, they, and they all of course chose their parents. <laughs> um, and uh, they, so they were, so they kind of acted out how, how that person was and, and then you identify kind of how that person is that was that was you know you didn't like or it was negative to you. And then the the tool um, comes from identifying how you are also that way. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe to not at, not that extreme, or maybe you don't exhibit the same behaviors, right? But that you also maybe are mean, right? If you think the person's mm-hmm. mean mm-hmm. Um, or rejecting you or whatever it is, dominating, trying to control you. Um, and so then they, it, that, again, was very easy for them to <laughs> uh, to identify. And then we all kind of have that a good laugh about it. And um, that feeling of connection is restored because you can feel how you're really not so different than the other person. And I've also done, I've done that um, with my middle school students as well. I've taught them that tool and 
um, I think I, I know the families find a lot of relief from that, and um, I think my students did too. And then another lesson that I did with my middle school students was about mutual support. Did you have? Uh, hold on. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you something, Annie. Uh, how old were the kids in this stream program? We're not trying to advertise the program, mm-hmm. but we are letting people know that it is working. That you know, teaching these kind of concepts to kids. Is working, and we're using ourselves as the example. Mm-hmm. So, how how old? What was the range of kids that you've been able to, that you've been working with? Mm, I'd say five. They're about five to the oldest one right now is eleven, and again, he's been with us for a few years too. So, um, so that's that's Great. the range right now. Five to eleven, mm-hmm. hitting puberty soon. Right. Yeah. See how that goes. We'll see how okay. That goes. Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting. Okay, go ahead with the with the next point you were going to make. Right, and then um, I just you know I kind of with my teaching too with the classroom culture. Sometimes there's just sometimes there was just sometimes like a need that I saw, and one year I felt like um, I really wanted my students to understand the idea that we needed to have mutual support, which is another um, platform in that in that program, and it's just about the idea that you're support supporting the whole. And that it also supports you, right? Taking yes. responsibility for yourself and providing support to those that support you. And um, I talked to them a lot about it, just how they needed. I I'm there to support them, but that they need to support me and the group, right? And I wanted them mm-hmm. to see how their their actions um, either add to the whole, right, or or kind of take away. And um, that was fabulous. We did that for a few weeks, and I had them track you know, kind of like their behaviors and things. And we made lists of things that you could do that really support um, either the class. We did it for the class. Like what are some things you can do and say that really um, add to the beneficial energy of the classroom? Mm. Um, right. And things that, that take it away that are negative. And then we did like at home, you know, as well. And um, I had them just kind of track that and reflect on it um, every day at first and then maybe every week and um, just kind of report how things were going. And they all reported. I mean, it was it changed completely, completely changed the the atmosphere um, in our classroom. And and they would start to point it out themselves. Oh, look, I'm supporting, you know, look, I'm supporting you. Or they would call each other out. You're not supporting me, <laughs> you know. That's I think part. that's so remarkable. It, it's, it's absolutely um, inspiring mm. to hear that little kids are able to do what we can't. <laughs> <laughs> or what is so difficult for us to do. I mean, first to admit it, to be so honest, and then to embrace it quite as easily. And in fact... It's just the opposite of they're too young. It is that because they're so young, mm-hmm. they're so much more flexible and able to learn. And they're not, my mm-hmm. God, they're not as invested in years and years and years and years of behavior that they have to justify. Yes. And the idea that you can ask a child to support you is turning upside down. Mm-hmm. The idea that people typically have is, you know, of the old hierarchical idea. That the adults are there to support the children. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mother is there to support the kid. The, the teacher is there to support the kid. And that the, that the kid doesn't have an equal mm-hmm. obligation to support the teacher to support them or to support the parents. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, one of the concepts of mutual support is that everybody, if, if people's needs are not met, they can't really provide for our needs. The exhausted mother isn't going to be able to 
uh, lovingly take care of the baby. Mm-hmm. And yet we don't teach our children to be conscious of the needs of the adults, except when we do it in a shaming way. And this is typically so. Of course, I'm not saying that nobody does this, but just generally speaking. Um, you know, we shame kids for being selfish or self-centered, but we're not actually teaching them or giving them the tools. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you're really supporting them tremendously to flip over, not only to learn the concepts, but to, but to flip over the hierarchy that we've yes. created between adults and kids, those who've got it going for them and those who don't. And my God, it's not just between adults and kids. How many of us go into a situation where we think that somebody else has it made, has it easier, knows more than we do, and that we're entitled just to act out, act out, act out any t- way we want to, drain them of energy until they completely collapse, as though that was really the way that ultimately our needs were going to get met. <laughs> I'd like to add something, too, on the, on the matter of support. Yeah. I can remember when I was a kid uh, going through school, I never felt any support from any of the kids. If mm-hmm. I had to say something in class or be called on to say mm-hmm. something, I always felt isolated and alone and completely unsupported. Mm-hmm. And my main posture would be a defensive one mm-hmm. of how am I going to protect, protect myself from looking mm-hmm. foolish and embarrassing mm-hmm. myself. Yep. Mm-hmm. And how different it would have been had I had Anne for my <laughs> teacher where I could feel the other kids supporting me and, and uh, you know, being with me. Yes. So that yeah. I could relax. And I've discovered over the years that uh, when I'm relaxed, I do better. And yes. when I get all stressed and tensed, I get stupider. <laughs> yes. <And so>. Right. <laughs> I am that. Yeah. Like right. That. I believe even the brain research shows that too. Um, that, oh, yeah. That, you know, the learning centers in your brain actually shut down, right, when you're feeling mm. shamed and all of that. So we all... Nowadays, <laughs> we're all trained, thankfully, um, to at least be conscious of that. I know not everyone maybe um, puts as much effort into it as others, but um, they call it the effective filter, you know, that your emotional state is a huge, has a huge impact in your ability to learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so, James, let me flip over to you for a minute. Uh, so, what are you too young for? I'm too young for the old folks' home. <laughs> you know, the times we have visited your mom in her own uh, senior residence, uh, she's 99. And there are people at that residence that are in their 90s and their 80s, 70s. And so from their perspective, looking down at somebody who's in their 60s, it's like, hmm, we're really youngins. But the thing is, is, I'm not ready to stop being fully involved in life as a regular, normal person, as opposed to somebody who's now kind of folding down uh, the tent little by little, year by year, (laughs) until I reach my demise. (laughs) You know, it's funny, I used to laugh about this whole thing about uh, 60 is the new 40, and and now 70 is the new 50. (laughs) But... There are a lot of ways in which I still feel as much energy and aliveness as when I was 50. And so I don't want to start thinking of myself as on the decline such that I have to stop being fully involved in life. Right, right. I love that answer, but you avoided my question. What am I too young for? Yeah. 
what excuse do you, what, what do you think you're too young to do or give up? Or too young to give up, huh? So I'm going to leave you. I I would say my psychological crutches. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I've been a a big one on uh, if I've done something before, it's the tried and true. I'm not open to learning something new because that's risky. That's taking a chance. Uh, So I'm not ready for that stuff. Kind of like Anne's thing. (laughs) It's too hard. I'm not ready for that. Uh, I like so it's not limited to people in uh, the age range, age range she's talking about. Right. I'm not ready. It's not time. <laughs> I'll do that next year. Okay, I'm going to flip this over to you, And What about you personally? What am I too young for? Yes. Oh, like it's not time yet for me. Yes, to... yes. Oh. Ooh. While you cogitate on that one, we have a caller, Helen from California. Hi. I I think, I don't know if I missed. Hi. Hello? Hello. I'm saying hi back. Oh, in the the switchover from the the computer to the telephone, I'm not sure if I missed a question. The question I had was for James um, and asking him what did he have to overcome to change his attitude about trying things later in life. Mm. Mm, later in life, meaning me in my late 60s, went on 70. Yeah, uh, well, well, first of all, let me just say that I was 66 when I met Beth. And since knowing her, uh, I've been undergoing a complete retooling. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I don't know... Uh, it's a little harder for, harder for me to deal with the question of I'm too young for something than I'm too old for something. There are a lot of things I can think of that I have thought I'm too old for. But uh, too young, well, what I've had to overcome is, again, that rigidity of wanting to just stick with what I had been doing, the habit yeah. thing, the comfort. I wanted yeah. to stay in my comfort zone. Yeah. And, and, and Beth keeps putting me out of my comfort zone with the <laughs> questions she asks me, like this one, for example. <laughs> And so I've had to overcome my defensiveness, my pride, my ego, uh, and, and be kind of allowing of, oh, well, uh, let me see here. What is there here for me with, that I can learn from, perhaps change, transform, grow, be better, be more conscious? Uh, so the biggest thing for me has been the defensiveness, the fear, the fear and insecurity of trying something new and different uh, that's unfamiliar rather than the tried and true. You know, the point that you're making, James, I think uh, is equally true for the statement, I'm too young and I'm too old. And that was a great question, Helen. Uh, Because what you're saying is I have to get over my pride and my resistance um, and my fear of looking bad and all of that and my comfort in order to do something that I could say, well, I'm not ready for that. I'm too young. Uh, I don't really have to do that yet. Uh, And then the I'm too old, we also have to do the same thing because if you're starting to play the piano or whatever it is, you can feel foolish. You can feel like uh, you should know how to do this already. Uh, You may feel 
insecure because you've had bad experiences. Uh, for instance, we were just talking today about maybe you learning how to do video so that we could do some work and and send it out from here uh, in Oregon. Uh, but we need somebody to take videos. Well, you do not have a great track record in technology. But you said yes. You were going to try. Fools rush in where angels fear to tread. I love that. You know, you're not too old to learn an entirely different skill, despite the fact that you've had problems with technology in the past. You're not going to let that stop you. I really admire that. And, uh, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm too young to try. I'll do that next year. I mean, the time is now. You know, I want to say that as far as our age is concerned, that really kind of gets the too young uh, getting shorter and shorter because if we don't do it now, there may not be a time. Ooh, I'll give you an example, a, a quickie, because we're going to be going to commercial break in a minute or two. When we were talking about staying in Oregon after we had moved up here, some of you know we came up on vacation, we never left, and life has been complete chaos ever since. And one of the things that you know we were saying is this is the kind of thing you do when you're old and you're ready to retire. Well, we we can't retire. We we don't have any money, so we can't retire, <laughs> even if we wanted to. But who would want to retire? Anyway, we're having too much fun. But uh, it was we said, oh my goodness, you know this is the kind of thing you do uh, later in life when you say, well, I better do it now before it's too late, and. That's the way it is for us now. Everything we better do now. <laughs> because it is that time. It, it's, it's late in the game for us. So in a way, that makes us more needing to overcome whatever fear and resistance we have of not being able to learn how we're going to look, how we're going to feel, knowing we're going to be frustrated, recognizing that maybe our brains don't work as fast as they used to, or whatever it is that we have to overcome. Uh, the time is now because there isn't going to be a later. So with that thought, I'd like to go to commercial break, and you guys think of your questions. If anybody wants to call in, uh, please do. And right now we're going to... Uh, Stick with it and hang on through the break and come back to Inside Out. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, BethGreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. 
the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about how it's you're never too old or too young, unless you really are. <laughs> but how often we use that as an excuse for just plain sheer terror, resistance, I don't want to, it's out of my comfort zone and all of that. And we're going to invite Anne now to share some of her excuses about she's too young to do something. But before we do, Anne, it occurs to me that some of the people listening might be interested in talking to you or emailing with you to find out how you've been working with kids either in the public school system or privately through the Stream Center about uh, how you teach uh, kids consciousness. And uh, so is there any way people could get in touch with you if they wanted to chat with you? Sure. Um, my email address, maybe I should say it out loud. Um, yes. It's Ann, A-N-N-K, as in kite, stream. S-T-R-E-A-M at gmail.com. You can email me there. I don't have a website. so. Well, that would be oh. just great. And people can contact you if they want to find out more about your experience, about how you've dealt with, uh, with kids around these very important re- you know, trainings uh, about mm-hmm. consciousness. Thank you so much for that, Anne. It's appreciated. Uh, so, Anne, mm-hmm. what are you too young to do or not do? <laughs> oh, to do or not do, to yeah. not, oh, okay, right, to, um, well, I've thought of a couple of things um, that I feel like I'm too young to do, and some things that have come up for me is around leadership. Um, mm, yes. I have, a lot, <laughs> I have a lot of excuses, uh, but that's my main excuse for that, and it sounds so socially acceptable to me anyway when I give it, um, is that. And I've been I've been trying so hard to give that excuse, and it did work for a while. But now I, I'm 39. <laughs> it's not flowing. It's not you know. It's not flying so well with people anymore. And now you know, even at work, and I used to be the newest person, so it was just completely acceptable to me in my mind to say I can't possibly you know take on any leadership. But now I'm you know. <laughs> Over time, people have retired and things. I'm like the second, I realized, you know, this year, I'm like the second most senior person as far as like the length of time that people have been teaching and things. And that was a huge shock to me because I think of myself, right, as way too young to be um, supporting other people, to be a leader, to, um, right, to be in that role um, where I am providing uh, leadership and support. Mm. I love that. You know, I, I'd really like you to share a story about some of your public school kids. Uh, you know, English uh, people, kids who are not originally English speakers. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier in the show how they think they're too old and they're 12 years old you know, mm-hmm. um, to learn new skills. And I'd like you to share with people what you have experienced with some of these kids. Um. Well, lo- lots of, well, 
big changes with a lot of students. Um, that's probably the most exciting or rewarding thing about, I think, working with this population of students um, is to see sometimes to see that discovery that they make um, of their own, and you know, kind of rediscover. I think it's a rediscovery because I think kids probably do have a natural love of learning and enjoying. I think we all do. Um, when we feel supported to do it. And so it's sort of like a rediscovery that they do have the, have the potential um, to learn. And so some of the things that happen is sometimes kids will say, oh my gosh, I enjoyed this book. You know, mm. <laughs> like they're so surprised sometimes they'll, they'll, cause I've worked really hard over the years to find books that they will relate, that they can relate to mm-hmm. um, that they not only can read, but want to read. Because um, that's one of the things that has turned them off from reading is that they just, they're like, either it's too difficult, um, so it's just not satisfying for them. It's just not satisfying to read um, when you can't comprehend. But also, just the topic or the characters just really aren't written for them, right? They don't, mm-hmm. they're not, the characters aren't, exper- their experiences don't, you know, resonate with them. Mm-hmm. And so I worked really hard to develop a library in my classroom that has those types of stories. And it's just amazing to see them kind of see themselves in those characters and see that potential for themselves and to be able to comprehend and to see that motivation. Because the motivation is the most important thing to um, ignite, right? Yeah, absolutely. What a, that's such a wonderful thing that you're sharing. And also, um, in terms of... Uh, the consciousness training for the kids in the school, in the classroom, mm-hmm. that people say, well, okay, this is okay for kids who are, you know, new age, new thought parents or whatever it is. But you're bringing it down to, and I don't mean down in terms of a hierarchy, mm-hmm. to the nitty-gritty level of a life skill that you're trying to teach kids who come mm-hmm. from multicultural different multicultural backgrounds and uh, that it's just as applicable because, you know, humans are humans. Uh, Would you like to share something about that as well? Well, sure. I mean, I think the idea of the mutual support really, I mean, culturally, especially my students actually are, most of them are Hispanic and traditionally in the, in the Hispanic culture, I mean, supporting the whole is a huge concept, right? Of, of, of supporting mm-hmm. your family and mm-hmm. um, seeing how you can contribute. And that really did make, I think that was, that was a kind of a key component of when I was able to um, present what um, the idea in those terms, like the idea of doing your homework, right? Or reading, like and taking it out of that power struggle of you need to do this, you know, because you just need to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I'm, you know, I'm going to be angry at you if you don't or because you're supposed to. Uh, but really for them to see that this is something that I can do that contributes um, mm-hmm. not to just to myself, but to um, the other people around me. Like the other people around me are benefited by me doing this work and having something to offer. That's so important because young people often don't have any sense of value, especially when they're brought up entitled <laughs> you know, uh, they're always on the receiving end and they don't actually see that they have anything to give because yeah. they haven't had that experience. And in our over-entitled societies, which, of course, has been threatened by the uh, recessions of the last years, uh, you know, that's kind of gotten lost a lot. Mm-hmm. So, and, and another point about that I would like to add is that in the teaching we teach that 
uh, it's something has to be for the highest good of all, including me. Mm-hmm. So it's not about sacrificing for the whole, like, oh, I have to do this for the family, mm-hmm. as though I'm, I have to make a sacrifice that's bad for me because we always have to make sure that everybody in the whole includes mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So right. I, I love to hear those things, and I understand that you've had a lot of success with uh, reading, bringing up kids' reading levels. Yes, yes. If, um, we've had a huge, I've seen, especially last year, this is, this is my 10th year. This is my 10th year teaching. So every year I've kind of learned more and more and learned more strategies and, um, learned more about how to reach the kids. But, um, mm-hmm. I think last year was the, the biggest, biggest gains that I'd ever seen. I mean, it's students sometimes jumping up, you know, they expect to move up one level a year, but a lot of these students, you know, like I said, they've been experiencing failure. They've been stuck at the same level, some of them for like five years. Mm. Um, you know, so imagine how that feels to them, right? And mm-hmm. the, the message that that gives them and um, for them to be able to see that they are moving up one level, sometimes two levels in one year, um, the, you know, they're quintiles or percentiles, however you want to say. But yeah. um, it really, I mean, just huge success. It's because the, that when that motivation is turned on, it's like they just start to read and they start to understand. And they, it's really the belief more than anything that they can do it because that helps them to persevere. Uh, this is such an important message. And I'd like to uh, shift this back to James uh, for a moment here because uh, don't you feel that that issue of being discouraged, uh, thinking that you can't learn something is very often at the heart of the I can't do this, I don't want to. It's really underneath it is a, a kind of hopelessness. And um, mm-hmm. how, how do you feel, James, like you're uh, reigniting your belief in your ability to learn? Uh, I believe that I am. Uh the, the example of this uh, music theory course that I just started taking at a community college uh, yesterday, uh, I felt at various times, oh, my God, this is tough. Uh, how am I going to learn this stuff? Uh, because th- that was a big gap for me in my musical unfoldment. Um, but as we went along, uh, again, it comes down to relaxing more, taking it in, taking it in freshly, and not beating myself up for not having already known this stuff or not taking it, taking it to it easily, but rather just uh, take it in and work with it and be patient with myself. And it works. Uh, and so far, not, so good. And, and feeling okay about making a mistake in public. Yeah. We have Erica from San Diego on the phone. Welcome. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you. Uh, the conversation about teaching children so young that they can make a contribution and that they really do have an impact on their family. I love that. And and teaching kids in the classroom that they can really support one another. You know, they're not too young, but I'm realizing I'm not too old to shift the dynamics in my family. You know, I have kids in their 20s and 30s, and mm. uh, I'm not too old to say, you know, I think I've made some mistakes here. You know, mm-hmm. I'd really like to have a different relationship with you because there's parts of a relationship that are uncomfortable. And to talk to them as mature adults rather than, you're, you're my kids, you know, and this is the way I'm always going to relate to you. Mm-hmm. And the other part that I was connecting to was kind of the bucket list idea. I'm not too young <laughs> to have a bucket list, you know. 
of things that I really want to do in my life, the things I always said, well, I'll wait until later. I'll wait until later. Right. Who knows when later is? This is later. <laughs> this, is, this is later. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. I really appreciate the show today. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Well, very quickly, because we only have a couple of minutes left on the air, uh, James and Anne, what would you yeah. personally like to say that you want to take on for this new year that you're not too old or too young for? Well, for me, it's the issue of security. Uh, you know, we talk about having a secure future when you're older, mm-hmm. and that's out the window. <laughs> and <laughs> you and I just picked up and, you know, stayed in Oregon on our vacation trip. And, wow, dealing with all the insecurities of everything's new, but also, mm-hmm. what do I do now? Yeah. Uh, kind of thing. So I'm taking on the issue of insecurity. And what's helped me uh, with that is something I learned when I was at the Finhorn community in Scotland is you move ahead in faith. If you're following guidance, you move ahead in faith. And I'm not too old for this because if I have the faith, I can take the same big risks that I've ever taken when I was much, much younger. Uh, so I think that's it, to, to feel the security of faith rather than the security of battening things down in a secure, stable, rooted pattern. You mean the savings accounts that we don't have, the yeah, IRS we example. don't have? the example. <laughs> exactly. The retirement fund. Exactly. Yeah, the retirement fund we don't have. Well, I really, really love what you're saying, James. I, you know, I, I support that because inside, I don't feel all that different from the way I felt when I was 16, except that I feel more secure. Okay, my bones ache more than they did then. But see, I've, I've been chronically <laughs> ill since I'm 15. So I've been old all my life. Uh, and uh, that hasn't stopped me. And so there it is. And on the inside, I feel the same. And I want to embrace each day like I have forever to do something new and exciting. And what about you, Anne? Um, this might sound silly, but the words that came to me was, it's like to grow up. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it's never, you're never too young or too old to grow up. Very few of us have grown up, that is. <laughs> right yeah so to yes. me that means just really like really being more willing to take on responsibilities and have um, adult r- mature behavior in my relationships <laughs> um, love it you know it's like yes I do well uh, again do please contact Anne if you're interested in her uh, you know talking to her and if you missed her email address you can always uh, write to me beth at bethgreen.org and with that I'm going to ask James to look forward to what are we going to throw upside down or inside out next week very good our next edition of inside out will be wanting something too much how it can hurt us and how we can overcome it Wanting something too much means putting some goal, thing, or a desire before our needs and being willing to sacrifice those needs to do, get, or achieve it. What kinds of things can we want too much? A relationship, a baby, a house, a job, career, or financial success. To become a star, to look like a good parent, to be thin, to appear spiritual. Really just about anything. On this episode of Inside Out, Beth, myself, and the gang of Beth's alter egos, Madame Mazurka and the Guru, will help us explore wanting anything too much. And they'll offer suggestions as to how to get past being run by our must-haves. Listen in and or participate. Share your story and questions by calling us live or by emailing us before, during, or even after the show. 
Well, I need that show because I do that. <laughs> I want things too much. And it's kind of, it's, it's bringing light on how ambition runs us. I'd like to thank Anne and James so much for being our guests as well as co-hosts on Inside Out. And thank the callers too. And thank our audience always for being with us. Love you and see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.